Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. You won't get much Sports Radio, WEEI. Arcan and Mego, Christian Arcan, Megan Ottolini here with you until 6 o'clock. We'll be joined by Brian Scalabrini in about 30 minutes. Looking forward to talking to him and finding out what exactly happened in Oklahoma City last night because that was that was a disgrace. Like it that was, was unbelievable. I don't say that about the Celtics. In fact, all these like end of twenty two uh, shows that I was doing while you were on vacation, <laughs> but uh, me. while I was in here longest, holding it down, longest time off I took in four years. <laughs> well, I had Just a nice so you know. I had a nice month off before I got go. here, <laughs> so uh, I guess that was all my vacation time. But anyway, I was here and I was doing like you know the best of twenty two and uh, going over the year the Celtics had. Now in twenty twenty two, the Celtics have been really like the standard for all the other teams in town. And it's true. I think they have. But you're starting to see some cracks in the armor, and I think it has something to do with the way the season's gone. Last year, you remember, they had a really uneven start to the year, and it was like a 500 team until... I would say bad. Yeah, I mean, it was it was bad, yeah. Considering what was expected of them, they looked like they had taken a step back. It seemed like blowing up the team was the only possible way to get out of it, and uh, a lot of people called for that and uh, ended up looking stupid later. But who was to know that... After the trade deadline with, you know, Derek White and, uh, you know, a couple other guys coming in that they would rip off such a great second half and uh, get all the way to game six of the NBA Finals. That being said, you're starting to see this year, they've had a great start. No question about it. They're one of the top teams in the NBA, if not the top team in the NBA. But they do have, there's a certain type of team that really, really gets to them this year, that really gives them problems. And it's the teams like you saw last night. A young team like Oklahoma City that's full of lottery picks who are all 6'10", and they're all, like, young and fast and can get to the basket and kind of raw still in their in their abilities. They didn't have Gilgis Alexander last night or Pokachevsky. And those are their two best players. And they destroyed the Celtics last night. I mean, absolutely dog-walked them from the beginning of the game Really to the end. I know the first quarter was close. After that, this thing never got close. And in the fourth quarter, it was it was never in doubt. Um, you see that with uh, with certain teams, and once in a while, the Celtics will have a bad night. And I'm not going to say that this is uh, this is something that's happening every night with these guys. Obviously, it's not. They're one of the best teams in the league. But that. That had me worried a little bit. There's been some uh, kinks in the armor here this year. There was the West Coast road trip, which I thought ended very poorly, and uh, it carried over into those losses to Orlando. And I thought maybe that was just from the trip, but now I'm starting to think maybe that's just the kind of team that they have trouble with. Orlando's the same kind of team. A bunch of lottery picks. They're all 6'11", 7 feet tall, and they beat the Celtics twice in one weekend at home. (laughs) I think you're on to something there. And it's not isolated to this one night because – if you look at the Nuggets game, they let the Nuggets put 123 up on them and yep. you go, oh, God, that's awful. What a what a one-off or whatever. And then you see last night, and I said, this, I said this maybe like two hours ago, but I really do feel that that is the lowest point. That is the worst performance we've seen from this team since, as you mentioned, last Janu- January, that loss that they suffered against the Knicks. I mean, look, they didn't have SGA. 
Oklahoma City did, and he was a late scratch. Yeah. And you could look at the defense. And he's awesome, by like, the way. Right. And you, you could look <laughs> at maybe highlights or something if yeah. you didn't watch the game and look at it and go, well, yeah, they didn't have Rob Williams because they're trying to manage his injury. And, you know, he, he had at the end of last season was practically neck and neck with Marcus Smart in the DPOY category, like that race. But they didn't have Gilchrist Alexander. That'd be like the Celtics not having Tatum and, and Brown. If you watched the game, I mean, I'm sorry. That third quarter was a freaking, like, I was laughing my ass off. Ryan, can I say that? Am I getting dumped again? No, you're fine. Okay. It was so bad. I just made a couple notes. Like, there was one point where it turned into a dunk clinic by the Thunder. And this was mm. after, or this was while they had made seven of eight three-point shots. Seven of eight. Like, they, the, the, the Celtics couldn't stop anything. And third quarter, going into the fourth quarter, the guys that were making dunks, like Jalen Williams picking it off, taking it coast to coast. Isaiah Joe. Not only having a dunk that looked like we were watching an all-star game, but then he misses a free throw. He rebounds his own free throw and goes in for an uncontested layup. Mm -hmm. It was a freaking joke. Isaiah Joe had 17 points in the second quarter. It was so bad. I'm sorry. Like... Who the it's, hell is Isaiah so Joe? It's so bad. You have to, exactly. It's like a video game generic player I'm like, player Isaiah name. Joe, is his last name Jose? Like, who is this guy? Where did and you I come from? Where league. did you go? <laughs> it was so bad. It was like the Celtics were showing every bad part of themselves. Like, they, the turnovers were gross. gross. The turnovers were awful. The defense was something that I didn't even know this team had in their DNA. And then you get to Marcus. You know, if you know me. I'm a huge Marcus Smart Bobo. I love Marcus Smart. I'll defend him all day. But he was out of control last night. Like, when he got tossed, he when he got tossed on his second technical foul because he was walking off the court, like, talking crap to oh, the yeah. ref. He was saying something. I want to know. And he did he, get fouled on that play, too, by the way. Right, I agree. But, yeah. Right, but earlier in that, like, yeah. he got picked off uh, at the beginning of the third quarter bringing the ball up. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of like bullied his shoulder into the OKC defender and then threw his hands up as OKC was running the ball back, being like, where's my foul? Yeah. It's like, dude, I thought we had grown past this, man. It was so Marcus Smart was a minus bad. 26 last night. It was awful. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know I'm just sitting here saying it was so bad, but there were so many different aspects of that game that were disgusting from the lack of perimeter defense to not even reading an ISO play. Yeah. Like, you let that guy, Josh Giddy, who looks like Timothy Chalamet, <laughs> run, Timothy an, Chalamet with run an ISO play on you. <laughs> yeah. The ISO play was so obvious in the third quarter. Did you see really when, he crossed up, uh, when he crossed up Luke Cornett? He left. He folded Luke Cornett in half. It was. It hurt me. I love okay, Cornett. Okay, but it's Cornett. I know, but it's Josh. This was it's Josh were, Giddy. This is why they were. I know. Josh Timothy. Giddy looked like LeBron James out there. Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> I think have, he has a movie in theaters right now, Bones and All. It's like a love story about cannibals. <laughs> nice. He's like a teenage heartthrob. He like fell off the pages of J fourteen or Tiger Beat, and he let him like <laughs> run an ISO play that my sixth grade basketball team ran. <laughs> In CYO, it was so embarrassing. If I'm Joe Missoula, I don't even know what you say to that team after that. And it's the second night, in, the second game in a row when it happened. I only gave up 48 points in the third quarter. I after mean, giving acting, up 40 in the second. Oh, yeah, no, that, that, that's a good point. Think of that. 
They gave up 40. They they got outscored 40 to 21 in the second quarter. Then they go into the locker room. Joe Missoula says something. <laughs> Thunder come out right, and put it, up coach. 50 in the third quarter. Win on three. One, two, three, win. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, maybe run like a new defense. Maybe maybe get the X's and O's out. Try a 1-3-1 one, one, or a trap or a full court press. I don't know. Try anything. I mean, that was that was ridiculous last night. So where's the concern <laughs> level right now? I mean, I, I think this team is still absolutely going to win a championship this year. And absolutely going to win? I think they're absolutely really? going to win a championship. I'll tell you, the Brooklyn yep. Nets are a half game behind them right I'm now. I'm not even worried about the a Brooklyn half Nets. half game. How can you not be worried they, about the Brooklyn Nets? You seen what they're doing? Yeah. They've I, won 12 in a row. I'm aware. I'm aware. Celtics winning a championship this year. See? <laughs> we got to keep the drum. Okay. You guys well, sound very good, shook, though, based on news, a The good blowout. news is that Rob Williams is always available. So, you know, he'll shore up this defense. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what you take. There's nothing you can take away from that game as a positive, except that Peyton Pritchard is raising his profile a little bit in garbage time. Mm. So maybe, like, if, if you have to trade him, you can get a little something back. You know, I was really – what bums me out here about these last two games is that I thought that the days were behind us. They won four in a row with some good wins, too. They beat the Bucks on Christmas. They beat uh, the Clippers, mm-hmm. who I think are a tough team. You know, they're a tough team in the Western Conference and a team that has two good wings to play defense, and they beat them handily. And I sort of feel like maybe they uh, overlooked Denver a little bit. I think they definitely overlooked Oklahoma City. Uh, Jalen Brown said as much. Do we have uh, Do we have Jalen? Listen to Brown after the game. He knows what happened in that he game. He showed up last night. He did. He Aside played well. Aside from was... the four free throws he missed and the one right. that he airballed. And he was also a minus 28 in the game, too. But, yeah, listen to Jalen after the game. We got our ass kicked. Yep. That's what happened. Um, you come out, you take it for granted. That's what happens. Um, and we probably had it coming to us. You know, came out in the last couple of games. Uh, we pick and choose when we want to play. Um, we wasn't connected, didn't have each other's back out there. You know, no help side defense. We didn't guard our yard. Um, and those young boys over there came out and they made us look bad. They embarrassed us. They kicked our ass. And that's what happened. Yeah, he's right about that. I mean, Can you they- imagine how you feel with Jalen Brown when Timothy Chalamet crosses <laughs> on you? If good. you don't know who that is, Google it. No, he has two fair... E's at the end of his first name, and he has like a fancy little French mark An on top of it. Is, is that called, what it yes. is? Yeah, we have it up on uh, twitch.tv slash W-E-E-I. That's Timothy. That's Timothy Chalamet. Well, no, that's actually the guy. No, that's, that's Josh Tim- Giddy. That's Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> that's Josh Giddy. Can you Repping put up his, Timothy his Chalamet on the favorite, Twitch? Favorite basketball team, the Oklahoma City on Thunder. On the Twitch, can you put up Timothy Chalamet? Maybe his appearance from Little Women. The, I don't the, the Greta Gerwig version. That was a good one. <laughs> Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder is the only professional sports team I've seen where none of the players have any muscles. They lead the league in seven, six, 90-pound guys. They look like a French team from yeah. the 1950s. Um, yeah, they really do. I mean, like, they are, they've got guys on their team who have no muscle definition oh, at there, all. There's Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. Josh Giddy. I mean, did you see that picture of Josh Giddy? There he is. Yeah, Chalamet looks like... Uh, buff compared to those guys. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. It's really it's really uh, their their draft pick. This most recent draft pick is the skinniest kid I've ever seen. Um uh why can't I think of his name? Uh Chet, Chet Holmgren. Holmgren. Have you seen Chet Holmgren what he, he looks like? Even playing. You know what? I don't want you to bring up Chet Holmgren because I've talked about this before. There's a lot of comparisons on the internet to my body and Chet Holmgren. And it's rude. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's very, there's an area of social media that is extremely unkind to me. And 
Skinny people can be athletic, and there's nothing wrong with being skinny. There's nothing skinny. wrong it's with a, that. It's no. weight shaming like any other kind. Sure. Fatso. You're All like right. a peak athlete right now, too. Exactly. Look at that. Look at that guy's arms. If you're watching that's on Chet Twitch, Holmgren. that's Chet Holmgren. That's the future of the NBA. Megan is. Uh, Megan looks like Sarah Wait, Connor next on. to. Oh, <laughs> next to Chet Holmgren. Little, look at that. Look at those flex. pipes right there. Oh, look, Come you on, you away. have you have that's bigger Chet arms Holmgren. than Chet Holmgren. Yeah. There's, no, yeah. there's no doubt about that. Flexing the guns right there. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. There's your phone number. Quick I lift things up and put them down. That's very good. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk with uh, the White Mamba, Brian Scalabrini. Scal joins us next. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now with the mlb app you can get baseball your way pick your favorite team your favorite players and get customized highlights stories and breaking news right on your home feed Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Ooh, I like this. <laughs> spooky. Um, yeah, I like spooky stuff. I like creepy stuff. And there's so much of it in the news. There's no there's no place that I really have. There's no outlet to talk about it. So I want to talk about it here. Because this is, I saw this on Twitter today. And it's all I could think about driving into the station. Uh, I want to play a local news clip. This is a story that's out of Colorado. And it's Montrose, Colorado. Western so you can, Slope, I can tell you. You that's can the, give us a little context. once. It's where we, the hill people live. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So here's here's a little clip of the story. Two funeral home operators from Montrose now facing long prison terms. Megan Hess and her mother, Shirley Koch, ran the Sunset Mesa funeral home on the Western Slope. Now they're accused of selling body parts for research without their client's knowledge and then providing fake ashes to families. Both pled guilty to charges of mail fraud and illegal transportation of hazardous material. Yesterday, a federal judge sentenced Hess to 20 years in prison and Koch to 15 years. Okay. I know sorry. the ashes were fake. I know, I know you can't laugh. Because they were pulling cigarette butts out of them. I'm just going to tell you right now, uh, if you don't like this, this the next couple of minutes are going to be pretty distasteful. <laughs> <laughs> so these two funeral home directors, they were selling 
bodies or body parts from more than 500 victims without the consent of their families. Mm. So people were taking their loved ones. Did they ask and the family said no and they did it anyway or did they not even ask? They just did it. It sounds like <laughs> the family members were absolutely unaware. It's better to ask for of forgiveness any than of permission. This. Exactly, point, beg yeah. forgiveness. So just so you know, it is legal to sell human remains. Don't I know it. <laughs> one thing that's really bad is uh, these bodies had been stolen because mm-hmm. there, was, there was no permission given. Right. There's no consent. It's also, this is where it gets worse. It's illegal to sell infected body parts. So they were selling body parts of people who died of various infectious oh. diseases. I'm not going to go into the details. Oh, they're accused of selling body parts. For- yeah. And it's just, I have a lot of questions. So uh, this Washington Post article goes into how the one director, her last name is Hess. Mm-hmm. She structured her business so she would, quote, always have a fresh supply of stolen bodies which she could later sell to unwitting customers who are unaware the body oh, she had been killing the people or stolen rather than donated. Uh, what's crazy here is, to me, the other side of the market, uh-huh. the buyers of the bodies. Who's buying this stuff, right, yeah. So according to this story, a lot of it is uh, government contractors. And what, what, do they they want, doing, what do they want people's arms for? They're, like, testing to see what happens to different bodies oh, and with like different crash weapons and, stuff? and things. Okay. It's really bad. I You can just look this up on the Washington Post, but I guess my question what this took me into. So these families were unwitting, and this is disgusting. This mm-hmm. is horrible. Nobody should ever have to go through this. I can't believe they did it to more than 500 people. If you died, you have a you have a child. I you do. have a wife. You have mm-hmm. a family. Um, would you let them sell your body? Or body parts, if they could make a significant profit sure. after your death. Oh, of course. Absolutely. If they thought they could make, like, what I think should happen to these people in Montrose, yeah, they should maybe do a little jail time, but just pay all the money back to the people's families. All the money you made off their body parts. And call it even. I think that would be enough. That's really what the what the crime was, right? You didn't tell them about it. So give them the money. Give them the royalties, you know? It's like when you sample a song and it's like somebody else's song. You got to pay Marvin Gaye, but like it's still my song. You know what I mean? Like just pay Marvin Gaye and keep it moving. Like that's what you do. So what if they (laughs) would it change your opinion if they shopped your body parts around a little bit and they were not fetching over one hundred thousand dollars? No, I'd say get get whatever you can. Like if they can can get a new car out of it. Sure. You're fine with it. Even if you can just get like, you know, a lawn treatment or something like whatever. Oh, Someone come and clean the gutters like I don't care. You know care. what? Your, whatever your anything that's really bottom of the barrel scraper. That's real compost. Hold out for a little something. Well, okay, man. well what's the so what? So they did so my body gets what? Put in the ground, burned in a big oven like who cares? I you can take whatever you can get. It's it's my dead body. Who cares? So the, <laughs> this is not an isolated event as the Washington Post notes in 2018 a Michigan man was sentenced to 9 years in federal prison. After seven counts of wire fraud, that's how they always get you, wire fraud and taxes, and another on the illegal transportation of hazardous material after renting out body parts for medical or dental training. What kind of (laughs) half-ass medical or dental school? I'm pretty sure Tufts is not, like, Googling and being, like, you know, on whatever dark web looking for one of these bodies. Good thing Uh, about working on a corpse is if you screw up, it's not going to be like, ow, ow, You don't think there's some community college dental school that needs to, you know, <laughs> cut costs wherever they there's can? There's no such yeah. thing. In 2019, the following year, a body broker in Arizona 
was ordered to pay $58 million to families after an investigation found their relatives' bodies were used in, this is sick, U.S. Army blast experiments without consent. How does that happen? Look, I'm sorry, but that's just what like... What do you mean? You prop them up and then you go, okay, clear the blast zone. Going back to the original story, <laughs> stop it. How do you know that the ashes are fake ashes? I know. The guy's like, this isn't grandma. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> I mean, like, how do you... Because you just send back ashes. Yeah, right? Like, how and why you are you inspecting know? them so closely? <laughs> yeah. There's so many questions to this. Uh, yeah, how'd the, how'd the Montrose people get taken down? Was it wire fraud? Like, who who cheesed on them is what I want to know. Would it bother Someone must you? have figured it out or blown the whistle, right? I know some people who won't put an organ donor on their license because they're like, you know, my body is a temple and <laughs> maybe they have some, like, religious whatever. A lot of those people, if you see them in their life, mm-hmm. don't treat their bodies that way. Oh, but you can't have my liver. For another day. Right. Would it bother you if your family sold your body out? And Ryan, you can chime in here. If they sold your body out to be like a test crash dummy. Um, then... I mean, it's not the most dignified way. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, none of this. I'm a crash test did dummy you just or hear, IED test. Did you not just bunked. hear the U.S. Army blast? I'd rather get. I'd rather have my body blown up in a bomb experiment. I think that would be more. That would be exciting. Like that, at least you know the kids could come out and watch. <laughs> oh, make a day of it. Maybe like make a picnic. <laughs> come out. There. We're gonna go to the old blast field, kids. <laughs> yeah, they'll be far Watch enough away Daddy that they won't get blown country. up. But they'll have binoculars. They can see like my legs flying. Around. Like if I had, if oh if God. you have, if I have to be sold, so dark. you know, maybe this might be the this might be the last the, the first and last time we the do first creepy and corner. last creepy corner. <laughs> Just I don't know. I think I'd be more comfortable, and I think I am an organ donor, by the way. And I, I, I might want to look into. Am I? That. I don't even know if. Um, for the, in the interest of education and you know young doctors I'm understanding not. the human body, I don't think I would have a problem with that. Okay, I'll tell you what I don't want my body. I used don't. For. Do you want me? I can't read the last paragraph of this Washington Post. Can I article. real quick just tell you? I don't want my body ever. If my wife and son are listening and he's young, but <laughs> I don't ever want my body used in that exhibit with the bodies. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, that was at like the science museum. Uh, like the human body. It was, body. It was like bodies. a bunch of cadavers. Cadavers. <laughs> uh, cadavers, cadavers, yeah. whatever they're called. And they were they're all cadavers. like posed in different ways, cadavers. And uh, it, it looked awful. I didn't go, I didn't even go see it because I was just so creeped out by it. I don't want to be pinned up on a wall in a museum <laughs> like with a, a bunch butterfly? of people walking by going, wow, look at that. Look at that dead body. So like, that's yeah, how that's, ribs look. Yeah, that's that's where I draw the line. But you can use me for the blast experiment, no problem. I, I think... If my family was in dire straits, I'd be okay with it. Mm-hmm. But it's not the most dignified thing. <laughs> I mean, there's there should be like a little dignity, right? A little dignity. A little dignity. A little something. Well, Just my burn question me in is an oven like, with dignity. <laughs> would you do this to your dog? Like, I wouldn't do this to my dog, so it's hard to imagine doing it to a family member. No, have you ever heard about people who like stuff their dog and like... I th- that only happened on that show, Scrubs. That didn't happen in real life, right? Um, like uh, a taxidermy? Oh, yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of Scrubs. <laughs> Can we go to Brian's I'm sure people Gallifrey? have done that. We yeah, have sure. to segue. You're, you're there we go. very lucky if you got to listen to the first and last creepy corner. Yes. And uh, without any I'm further gonna, ado. I'm going to send you the last paragraph of this Washington Post article. I, Ryan, I couldn't read it on air. It's too dark, but I think you're going to like it. All right. Well, here to be a ray of sunshine for all of us after a really horrible Celtics loss is Brian Scalabrini, who's brought to you by Shaw's and Star Market, bringing people together around the joys of food. Scal joins us right now on the Harbor One Hotline. Scal, what the hell happened in Oklahoma City last night? That was the worst thing I've seen all year. I think so, yeah. I mean, the the defense was awful. 
you know, like Oklahoma City, that's a, that is a recipe for disaster sometimes when you're playing like a young team with their stars out. They got nothing to lose, no pressure on them whatsoever. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what we saw. I, I didn't think – I thought the defense was uh, probably the worst we've seen all year. So, Scala, historically bad performance that followed that Nuggets loss. Uh, do you have any concern about this team being in a little bit of a slump on this road trip? So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm concerned about us maybe not getting number one seed or not getting home court advantage throughout. Like, there could be, you know, some concern about that. But, you know, I just – a lot of times I'll look at other teams, other playoff teams, and say, what is the team that we're going to struggle with the most if we're, if we're going to go against this team? And, and there's – the Bucks are up there. You know, like I know the Nets are surging right now, but they have some deficiencies that I would look at and say, I don't think that that could be a problem for us in a playoff series. So – I get it. It's hard, and that's why maybe as, uh, you know, people in the media, we should recognize the greatness of, you know, the Michael Jordans, the Tom Brady, the Larry Birds, the Magic Johnson. Like, those guys, like, they just, like, they had their foot on the gas pedal no matter what. They never had off days, and that's pretty hard to do in the NBA. But so if the way we're trending right now, we're a two, three seed, I still think that this team is good enough to eventually get to the finals and maybe win a championship. But it's – uh it is kind of the regular season woes of, of having to bring it, having that target on your back every single night. And it just doesn't seem like, like this team gets up for every single game. Do you think they have a problem overlooking teams like OKC without Gilgis Alexander or like the Orlando Magic, those two uh, games in that one weekend? Is that a trait of this team, would you say? I don't think, like, a lot of people use that term, like, overlook. And I know that Brogdon said we exhaled a little bit when we found out that SGA was out. I think it's more about habits. Like, uh, they have good habits against the, the really good teams. And, you know, like, uh, so I'll give you an example. If you guys watched that Milwaukee Buck games on Christmas, you saw how efficient they were at targeting Joe Ingles, Grayson Allen. This is what we're going to do on this game. Then you watch them against Houston. They were they – all those guys are, are worse defenders than Grayson Allen. They could have targeted any of those guys, but they just sort of played. So I think that's what happened last night. They weren't they didn't go in with a specific game plan of like, okay, for us to win this game right here, this is what we have to do, which I find them doing that against the really good teams, but I don't find them doing that against like, you know, the middle of the road to bad teams out there. So like once again, I'm not sure that's a problem, but I do think that when you're when you're in the NBA and you have a motivated young team with something to prove, and you're just like, hey, it's another game today. And I've been saying this for as, as, as long as I've been in the league, which is over 20 years now. I think that you get beat by 20 when you have that mindset. I really do. And I think there are some certain players that can flip a switch and some teams that can flip the switch. But it is a very dangerous game to play in the regular season when you're you know, facing – you're on a road trip – and you got Oklahoma City in there and San Antonio, and you should have the Nuggets and Dallas kind of circled on your calendar. So no Rob Williams last night because he had some injury management. But what was so lacking to you in that defensive performance? I mean, historically bad defensive performance, and this is a team that is not so altered from an all-time great defensive team that we saw last season. Yeah, so like, I have a my own internal discussions is has has been like I think our offense is causing a little bit of our defense to slide, and I'll give you an example. So 
if you watched that game last night, you saw Oklahoma City was driving the ball. They were kicking it. They were driving it again. And they would do that three, four, five times, right? And then they did an open shot or they just dominated the paint. And they just kept going until the, like a weakness presented itself. But so when you play like that, which is the same way that we played at the beginning of the season, like we were driving, we were moving, we were spreading the ball out, we were driving again. And it was like, man, how do you stop this team with all these weapons? So I feel like and this is – and I think – the passing numbers haven't changed. They're identical. I think it was like 276 and um, before when we were great, and they're 276 now. But it feels like we're passing the ball along the perimeter and as opposed to hitting the paint and then moving it, right? And I know it's a long answer to your defensive question, but <laughs> when, you work, when you work a team and you make them work defensively and they have to rotate, 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 and even if they get a stop, they're just going to have a le- they're just going to have less juice on the offensive end. They're not going to play with the same pace. They're not going to drive and kick. They're just going to exhale a little bit. It's just human nature. It's just how it works. So when teams are doing that to us and we're on our heels, and let's say you stop the first guy, the second guy, the third guy, and then the fourth guy beats you, and then you walk the ball off the court and take one pass and shoot it, I'm not sure that that's like that's not a great recipe for you know, winning in the regular season. Like that's why we that's why we saw that historic offense at the beginning of the year. And now we're seeing like just very middle of the road or or even, you know, uh bottom half of the offense. And I think a lot of it has to do with just the multiple driving kicks to the paint. But and that to me is making them so you know you're you're going down and you're letting a team off the hook with one pass and a shot and and then they're working you on the other end eventually you're going to have breakdowns. And I think the breakdowns really occurred in the first half, but it just carried over to the second half because I just feel like our offense is not really compromising team's defense as much as it was at the beginning of the season. We're talking with Brian Scalabrini here. Uh, Scal, last time I talked to you, I think the Nets had won eight in a row. That number's now up to 12. Um, Kyrie Irving is playing this year as opposed to last season when he wasn't really uh, wasn't really present for a lot of these games. Is this something that uh, that team can continue? Can they continue to play at this pace? And uh, do you see them challenging the Celtics for the top of the conference? I mean, they might they might win more regular season games. I don't see them playing at this pace. Like throughout, they're not going to win another twelve in a row. By the way, they've won. I think it's sixteen of seventeen. Right. Yeah. The only loss was the Celtic. The Celtic loss and. And we weren't stellar that game. That was a two-point game with four minutes to go. And that was, in my opinion, I know the Miami game where we played them twice was like the start of our offense getting, but the Nets did a really good job defensively. And that was a, they're a very, very poor defensive team, which is trending a certain direction. So in the regular season, yeah, maybe because Kevin Durant, if he could stay healthy and Kyrie Irving is motivated because he's in a contract year and the way that those guys are playing, yeah, maybe they can – have a better record in the regular season. I just it's hard for me to conceptualize that team beating the Celtics in a seven game series. So I don't I'm as of right now, I'm not worried. You asked me a week ago, I wasn't worried. Um I I guess I'll talk to you guys every week. I'll let you know and you can ask me about the, the same question every week and I'll tell you if I think, you know what, we might we might be in trouble with that team. I just don't think they have the makeup to beat us. I do think though, which you saw us destroy the Bucks, I still think with the Bucks healthy and I don't know what trades are going to make. I do think that that team could be a very difficult team for us to beat. So I, that's kind of where I stand. And, you know, the regular season is what it is. The, Net, the Nets have hit, like, a lot of teams kind of injured and a guy's out here and there. So that, that, that winning streak is a little bit skewed. We'll find out. They have Chicago, 
New Orleans, Miami, and then us. I'm curious on what next next week when we talk, what we think about the Nets. So the Celtics are facing the Mavs, and it's going to be a, hopefully a nice showdown between Tatum and Luka Doncic. Uh, how much does a game like this, I know it's January, but how much does a game like this, how far does it go towards determining that MVP race at the end of the season? Huge. I think a lot of uh, people who vote, they look at head-to-head matchups. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways you can go. Best record, best team. You could say uh, a lot of times people look on court, off court. That's why Jokic keeps winning it. Like they're they're just an awful team with him off the floor, but when he's on, they're one of the better teams in the NBA. So a lot of people look at that kind of stuff. Um, and then the last thing people would look at is head-to-head. And Tatum has, before the Denver game, he has dominated that matchup. Winning, I think he was 6-0 during those matchups of potential MVP guys. And we'll see what uh, what it is uh, tomorrow. But Tatum, like you could tell, he has a different bounce to his step in those type of games. So, yeah, I think that voters would look at that. And, and Tatum's obviously in that conversation. But with the Celtics coming back down to earth a little bit, I think that that conversation is probably six or seven deep now, which I thought it was maybe two or three, maybe uh, uh, four four weeks ago. But now there's there's a lot of candidates and there's a lot of teams that are playing well and trending the right direction. How long is it going to take Luke Cornett to recover from getting crossed up by Josh Giddy last night? Because that was uh, – he got folded in half, and that's a big guy to get folded in half. Scal, do you know who yeah. Timothy Chalamet is? He's an actor. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't he I look do. like Josh Giddy? <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> and and uh, Giddy's a very good player. Yes. So um, I'm sure I'm sure Cornett will bounce back I hope uh, so. pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, I mean, yesterday you – guys, you guys called it. It, it was uh, definitely our worst performance defensively of the year. And maybe, maybe of this, like this Celtic era, probably, uh, probably the worst I've seen in a while. Yeah. All right. Well, onward and upward then, Scal. Thanks for the time today. Always great to talk with you. And we'll have another question about the Nets for you next week. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. See ya. <laughs> Thanks, Thank you, Scal. Scal. It's Brian Scalabrini of uh, NBC Sports Boston. Celtics broadcast joining us here on the Harbor One Hotline. 617-779-7937. There is your phone number. Quick break. When we come back, we'll do a little Bruins Minute. As uh, the show that comes on after this one, there was a, uh, there was a scoop and uh, some defense of said scoop involving David Posternock. We'll get to all of that next. Forty-six here, Sports Radio WEEI. It's Arcan and Megum, Christian Arcan, Megan Adelini, taking you up until six p.m. That's the Rich Keefe show. Uh, we got some breaking news, and I think we need the sounder for this one here, uh, Ryan, because this is uh, this is big news here from the Boston Bruins. We were going to talk about anyway, uh, but now we got just something. Ladies and gentlemen, we this is breaking news. Breaking news on WEEI is presented by BetQL. Smarter bets start with BetQL. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. All right, this comes from Frank Saravelli of the Daily Faceoff, Bally Sports, and it is not good news for your Boston Bruins. Uh, the tweet reads, no shock given that he didn't accompany the Bruins out west, but I'm told Jake DeBrusque has a fractured fibula that's going to keep him out. A tough blow for DeBrusque playing the best hockey of his career. There you go. Jake DeBrusque, fractured fibula. Um, That is really tough. That is tough news to break. That's tough news for the team. That's really tough news for the kid. 
he scored seven goals in December. He's having some, he's having one of the best seasons he of his scored career. Two in the Winter Classic. Two goals just the other day in the third period to beat Pittsburgh and send all those uh, fans home happy. That was uh, this this year so far has been a renaissance of sorts for Jake DeBrusque in many many ways. A lot of people have attributed to the new coach. I think that he started playing better last year um, while uh, while uh, Cassidy was still here. But either way, I mean whatever it is. It's a it's a redemption story. This has been a redemption story for him for sure. It doesn't say anything about how long he'll be out. I see fractured fibula, and it's hard to imagine that that's going to be a quick fix. Then again, I thought a lot of Bruins weren't even going to start the year or play until about now, and they were all ready to go like two, three weeks into the season. Brad Marchand, Charlie McAvoy, all those guys were supposed to be you know, missing the beginning of the year. Yeah, in no. theory, this would be the time that Brad Marchand was expected to come back. Brad Marchand's been playing since Halloween. I mean, like, he's been playing this whole time. So, I don't know. I mean, like, th- hopefully the- they can get him back on the ice this year. Hopefully he can, keep, uh, he can keep playing. I see fractured fibula, though, and that seems like a pretty serious one, and that really sucks for Jake DeBrus. It definitely sucks. Our very own Scott McLaughlin from EEI, he tweeted out this video from directly after the Winter Classic of Jake DeBrusque walking up to the me- the podium for the media availability in a walking boot. Mm. He tweeted, this was DeBrusque after the Winter Classic, had the walking boot, but was still moving without crutches, different levels of fractures, obviously, but he didn't seem, it didn't seem quite that significant at the time. And if you watch it, I mean, yeah, he has the walking boot. He seems fairly comfortable in it. So I'm not going to diagnose on Twitter or anything like that. Uh, I will say it's unfortunate because I think, to your point, uh, he's been a scoring machine through December, and he's also been somebody who's brought a lot of speed and flexibility to the different lines that he's been on in a way that I think we haven't seen in the past. And so he's clearly clicking very well with Jim Montgomery, and it just feels like I'm not going to say that this came at the worst time or anything, but if he does come back this season, it certainly feels like at the very least a momentum killer. Yeah. Yeah, you would you would think so. I guess I mean this sort of implies that he played that game with a broken fit. Or he was playing part of the game at I least. I think about seventeen minutes on ice during that game. Seventeen minutes, and unless it happened in the third period, which I don't remember anything I don't like to that. To me, a, a potentially fractured fibula playing on that for ten seconds seems like it's a bit extreme. Yeah, like he was out there for seventeen minutes, and, and he scored the game well. tying and game winning goals in the game and just saved the day for uh, for the Bruins there. And he's been excellent this year. You know, he's been. Really, I think the the player that we were all sort of promised after that rookie year where he looked like, uh, you know, it didn't seem like they really whiffed in that draft all that badly after his first year. It seemed like, oh, this DeBrus kid's really got something. And then he just kind of fell off, and now here he is uh, contributing. And I think putting to rest a lot of the, a lot of the talk and sort of, you know, perceptions about him. And something like this happens, and it just sort of goes to show how, you know, unfair – uh, these injuries can be, and I think that's sort of uh, all you can say about it. Will it slow down the Bruins? I don't see how it doesn't. I don't see how it doesn't slow them down. He's been a major contributor, and outside of the top line, one of their best secondary scorers. I don't think. I don't think there's any way this doesn't slow them down. Absolutely, absolutely. The, the negative want... side of it is is that you know maybe they have to go back and and you know put Pasta back up on that top line. Yeah. And obviously, the big issue with this team year after year after year is where does your secondary secondary scoring come from? And it's been a blessing that Jake DeBrusque has taken the steps forward that he has because it allows you to space out your top-line stud players. But as far as what Arkin is saying, 
yeah, of course, you can make the argument that I don't know how this doesn't slow them down. What I would say is I thought they were dog water. I thought they were going to be terrible this year, mm. and they've done nothing but prove me wrong. And a lot of that was based upon the fact that you were going to be missing your high-end stud players like Charlie McAvoy, like Brad Marchand. And what did they do? They went out and, and rattled off the best record in hockey. Yeah. So I'm very interested to see if it's going to be more of the same. Okay, next man up. Let's go. We don't have DeBrusque, but we're still going to play very well because that's all they've done this year is play very well. Jake DeBrusque has more goals than Patrice Bergeron. He has more goals than Brad Marchand. He has more goals than uh, uh, Taylor Hall, David Krejci. I mean, like he's been he's been their second most proficient goal scorer this year. And I know he's played more games than Marchand, but still, I think that you know to to sort of shrug this off like, oh well, it's DeBrusque, big deal. No, no, no. No, it's his, a big deal. His his uh, his bounce back season, I think, is a huge part of the reason why the Bruins are where they are. I know there's other factors, obviously. Linus Allmark's played great, and you know the defense has been excellent and all these other things. But you're right. I mean, Ryan, you're absolutely right. This is the time of year, generally, when Bruins fans are saying things like, man, team looks okay, I just wish someone else could score. I wish someone could take the burden off of those top guys. And they've been doing it all year long. I mean, they've really, they've really made it work all year long. And uh, this, is, this is, I think, a potentially devastating injury. Are we going to get to the pasta stuff? Uh, let's get to the day. let's get to the pasta stuff. Why not? Uh, we can do that quickly. I think um, David Pasternak doesn't have an extension, and everybody wants him to get one. Not yet. No, we're going to pause. No, I'm What's saying up, no. I'm saying he doesn't have you're it yet. Not yet on the extension. Yes. I thought you were saying not yet. Don't do the story here. Oh. Um, yeah, no, uh, no extension yet. However, our own Rich Keith. This might knock your socks off. Thank you, Rich. Uh, Rich Keith. The other day, I think it was uh, January. Was it January first? Maybe it was New Year's Day. Uh, tweeted out. That according to a source, the Bruins and David Pasternak are close to an eight-year, $88 million deal, which is, I don't know, I think kind of poetic in some ways. And uh, that quickly got, well, I don't know, I don't want to say totally debunked because we'll see if it actually happens or not, but it got denied very quickly um, from uh, certain reporters and from David Pasternak's agent who, uh, who called the report, I think he called it rubbish. Um, or something along those lines. Now we'll it's see what actually happened. Trash. Did he say? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, it was. It was something along those lines. Now I don't think Rich Keefe would go on Twitter and and just make up a story. I don't think that he Mm-mm. he got it. I just pulled it out of nowhere. Um, I don't think that he would do that. I don't know him that well, but I think I know him well enough to know that. Um, I do think that there has to be uh, talk still going, and if they're close to something. You know, this is the Bruins. They don't let on. You know, they're not gonna. They're not gonna be like, yeah, we're real close. They're not like the Red Sox, who are you know leaking to everybody. Oh, we're real close with Xander Bogarts. Just wait, everybody. Here it comes, and then he leaves. They don't want to end up looking like There's that. There's momentum. They've been smarter than that, and I, I think that that's uh, that's a good thing. I think what the Red Sox did with Bogarts was an embarrassment, but it still hasn't happened yet, and it's been denied by the agent. What do you What do you think about the scoop? I would say, uh, look. For Rich, I think it was great that in his debut show, he brought it up himself and said, essentially, like, suck it. (laughs) This is what I am still hearing and I still believe. It's been a couple days, so I'm I'm waiting for it to be confirmed and for us to see that because I would like it to be completely accurate. I would say the only thing that I that I'm like that, I don't know, raises my intent a little bit is the number is too cute. The number is so cute. Eight at eighty-eight. And, and the thing is, like, the number is totally within the range of, like, it's it's a realistic range of of a deal for him. So it's not like it doesn't make sense or anything. Right, and it's a pump it's, up from what he was offered. It's you know, a that he number. Down. Like it it's cute. 
You know, it's a and sweater, I, it, not a jersey. It's a sweater. Whatever. Come on. Shut up. And it, like Ryan, enough of you. Okay. <laughs> and it's just I. I just feel that. Uh, well, that's I can't the only believe thing, she called it a jersey. Eh? That's the only thing. I feel like even if I was face to face with Pasternak and he told me that that's what they're offering him and they're close to, you know, that they're quote finalizing it, I'd be like, all right, are you like messing with me right now? Because mm. it's a cute number. That's it all is. I'll say. I hope. I hope that we get the report absolutely confirming it and that we can all, you know. Congra- congratulate Rich on his debut show that he said, suck it to everybody. Didn't uh, Sidney Crosby, I feel like somebody signed a contract for their jersey number. Maybe it wasn't Crosby. Maybe it was somebody else. But I feel like I feel like someone did that. Uh, I can't remember who. Maybe I'm totally bugging. But also, uh, David Pasternak, you remember, put out his pasta pasta and it was 88 cents a box. So yes. that may just be like the thing, you know, like this is, this that, is what we that, do when it comes to money. That was a promotional event. Well, it sort of is. I mean, <laughs> this, is his, this is his salary. It is his salary. But I'm 11 million. I'm not saying million? it's out of the realm. I'm just saying if somebody fed me that information and I'm sure that Keith had this conversation with a person like, come on, yeah. 88, 88. Come on. <laughs> you know, that's, that's all I'll say on it. That sounds like a fake. It does sound like a fake. It's just, it's cute. It's very cute. But that's I do think say. that's what the market will bear for him, too. So I'd be like, uh, I guess if, we'll if see. you're giving me 88, how about 90? Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. Uh, quick break. When we come back, we will reset on uh, the NFL, Patriots, and uh, all the uh, uncertainty surrounding the Buffalo Bills and what's going to happen this weekend. That's all coming up right after this. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 